Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey, everybody, got a great episode lined up for you today. Jerron Rice, who's uh, been on the podcast already three times. This is his fourth time. He's talking to us about the Chamber of Commerce. How can you leverage the Chamber of Commerce in your local community, maybe even multiple chambers of commerce around you to generate more merchant account sales? I know you're going to get a lot of value uh, and a lot of actions that you can take from this interview. Right after that, we go into questions from the field. And I talk about manage your energy, not just your time. And I talk about what really sets the top performers in our industry apart from those that are average and below average. So I'm going to jump right into the interview. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you are having an awesome day today. All right, everybody. Hey, I'm here today with Jerome Rice. He is the founder and CEO of Magathy Payments. How are you doing today? What's going on, man? Good to see you again. Good to see you again. I have to point out just the, the sheer quality here. You're in a studio. I'm in a studio. I mean, it actually looks like we know what we're doing here, you know? Yeah, dude, I'm just trying to be like you when I grow up, man. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So today, uh, Jaron and I are going to talk about uh, how to leverage the Chamber of Commerce to sell more merchant accounts. Now, what I want to do, because I know you've been on here several times, so I don't want to get into too much backstory, but can you- Number four. Yeah, number four. That's there like you a go. record. I think Gotta it is, be. actually. I think it is. So you're always sending me these great ideas for podcast episodes. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I thought what we would do is give us a little context and talk about the role the Chamber of Commerce has played in your business going back to kind of the early days. So give us okay. a little bit of that backstory of just, you know, when did you decide it was time to jump into the Chamber? What did you do early on to develop that? And then we'll kind of dive into more of what you're doing today to, to really grow your business using it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so when I first started the, the company, I joined, I'm in Anne Arundel County, Maryland, and I joined the Pasadena Business Association, which is sort of like a, a chamber of commerce, sure. a little different, but similar right. idea. And um, it was just a, a great experience for a new business owner to get to network and fellowship and, and right. meet other business owners that were, you know, kind of having similar challenges. Right. And from there, like in our geographic area, there are a number of chambers. And so over time, as I became more and more well-known in the PBA, you know, we joined the Northern Anne Arundel County Chamber of Commerce, and then we joined the Greater Savannah Park and Arnold Chamber of Commerce, and then we joined the Crofton Chamber of Commerce. So, like, as a company, we're in four different chambers. All wow. of them typically cover a different geographic area that are literally right next to each other, so it, it, it sure. kind of clusters outward. Sure. Um, but that they've been instrumental in what we've wanted to do from the beginning because when i started the company the idea was i want to be the local guy right and when i looked there really weren't other people in our industry in the chambers like occasionally you'll get a rep from like heartland or you'll get a rep from another company that'll be in for a year right and they won't renew right but right. we were the only local brand right in that area wow that's awesome so you know, talk me through this decision about being part of multiple chambers. I mean, does that, does that in any way kind of like, I don't know, negate some of your influence with one that you're part of multiple or does it not really matter? It, it depends. There, there are a lot of businesses and, and clients that we work with that are in multiple chambers of, of sure. commerce because some chambers are better at doing 
some things better. Some of them have better events. Right. 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 And then some of them have a much better online directory and, and presence, which then sure. helps with your SEO. Got it. You know what I mean? So we, we felt that, and especially when, when I get into the, the next point that I wanted to make was um, getting involved in the chamber one of the things that I wanted to do early on was establish a relationship with the, the CEO of the chambers right. and the, the office staff, because my goal was I wanted to do their credit card processing. Right. And so I approached them and say, listen, all you guys do is talk about shopping local and using local businesses. Who are you using for your payment processing? Nice. And then it was like a moment of shame where they're like, oh, <laughs> we use this company in California. And I'm like, exactly. Right. So by working with them, I typically work out a deal where it's like, I'll give you below market pricing. Right. Just to cover my costs. Right. But I want the the ability to market and, and tell people that I do your payment processing. Yes. So because crucial. for us, that was like street cred. Right. 100%. Yeah, I agree with and it's interesting. Um and I've ne it's one of the reasons I love this uh, particular interview is because I loved interviewing people that do things I didn't do. Um I was <laughs> terrible with this kind of stuff. Terrible. So I love it and hey, it's oh, like Let me hold time out. Time out. Let me just say that is like almost like the best compliment that you could ever have given me because I learned so much about the industry from you. And I, I thought that I was like, I would do things like, what would James do? And I would go off and do it. And James is like, hey, this is yeah, no, no, this is definitely not something James would do. Uh, yeah, I'm like the, it's interesting. I'm like the worst networker ever. <clears throat> and so uh, for me, all my networking was face-to-face -face <clears throat> out in the field, you know, prospecting and then leveraging those, you know, things. And I did events actually when I, you know, uh, local events, but they were my own events. And so, okay. you know, I didn't do the chamber stuff, but it's interesting because I've talked to 20 or so reps who have, you know, been really good with the chamber. All of them said the same thing you just said, which is you've got to get your foot in the door by signing the chamber up to process with you. So, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is that's a pretty important first step to get, like you said, the street cred to be able to go after the members and say, we already process payments for this chamber, right? So the, it, it's, it's an impactful step, but I wouldn't wait until it's not that a requirement. has happened before you start this process because some sure. of them okay. you know by the time we got to the fourth chamber that we were that that we work with it was easy because they saw that the other ones were already using us of right course, but right. The, to get that first one to tip it, it took a while and yeah. consistency of being present and and them right. getting to know us to recognize right. like this is a business that that we can trust. Okay. All right. So, so before we get into, you know, how you sell merchant accounts with, you know, your efforts as chamber of commerce, <clears throat> talk to me about um, your involvement in the chamber. So let's go outside of your personal interest and let's okay. just say, you know, your involvement, Magathy payments involvement in the chamber. What are you doing at the chamber to kind of get that reputation as an active member? What does that entail? So fantastic question. I tell people all the time, the, the Chamber of Commerce is like a gym membership in that you will get out of it exactly what you put into it. Mm, wow. So yeah. I've had plenty of people and business owners that say, yeah, I was a member of the Chamber. I didn't I didn't get any business from it, you know, so I, I, I quit. I'm like, okay, did you go to any events? No. <laughs> uh, did you sponsor any events? No. Have you ever met the CEO or any of the office staff? No. <laughs> You know, like an office space, like, what would you say 
you do here. Um, <laughs> right, and it right. ultimately came down to they paid a membership fee right, and expected the phone to just start ringing because they're members of the chamber. And that's, that's not like how that. it works sure. at all. Sure. So for us, um, one some of the impactful things that have been mutually beneficial is when we moved into our first office space in 2017, when we moved the business from my basement into an right. actual office. Right. We worked with the, the PBA and the Northern Anne Arundel County Chamber of Commerce and let them know, you know, and we wanted to schedule a ribbon cutting. So oh, wow. they did all the legwork. They got all the politicians and local people to show up, all the news media, you know, and we just <laughs> stood there and they took our picture and we did a ribbon cutting and all that. And then it was in the paper. Right. And the chamber loves it because that's an additional event right for them sure that brought us a lot of publicity oh yeah and so two years later when we moved into a larger space there was like okay well let's let's do it again right on. so i mean we we had it the all four of the chambers the better business bureau of greater maryland had their staff and people here and it turned out to be this huge event where we had like 80 people in you know a, a thousand square almost 1100 square foot office you know, for our, our right. ribbon cutting, but it was a fantastic networking event. Sure. And we made good connections with the people here. Right. And some of the people here made connections with, with other people. Right. Right. That's awesome. So you go to the events, um, you get them involved in events that you're doing, like the ribbon cutting. What else? Is there any other things that you do besides Absolutely. that? Absolutely. So all of the, the chambers have different committees. Right. Okay. And so for one of the uh, chambers, I sit on the board of directors. Um, they have committees like the golf tournament committee or sure. the diversity committee or the health and wellness committee. And they're always looking for people that are active in the community that want to help. And typically when you're sure. on a chamber committee, it, it might be one meeting a month. Right. If that. Right. You know what I mean? But giving your, your, investing your time in the organization to help right. bring some of your ideas and things like that to sure. help better the organization. There, there are certain things, you know, that we go over in committee brainstorming sessions where you right. might have an idea that for whatever reason, nobody's ever thought of before. Right. You know? And so when you give and bring value to them in, in that way, that's something that people remember Sure. Uh, and they'll, it'll keep you top of mind when it comes to um, referrals and things like that. Yeah, love it. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so you're you're adding value to the chamber. Now you're looking to get a little bit of value in return. You want to sell some merchant accounts. Walk us through that. What's what's like the the low hanging fruit? What are these agents if they were, get into their chamber, they're involved for a few months? What could they do to potentially sell some merchant accounts? Um, so one of the things that uh, community directory, right? A lot of people in the the facebook group uh will ask you know um what are good sources to buy leads from right, right? Sure. and there are plenty of organizations where you can specify i want this type of business i want that type of business if you're in the chamber this should be your your lead source right so right. one of the things that we do is we buy a full page ad so that right inside the front cover as soon as you open up full page ad i think this was like a thousand bucks yeah and they give these out for free Right? right. So there right. are literally thousands of these floating throughout the community. Sure. Um, it's beneficial to them when we 
purchase ad space right in, in there um but again using the directory as sort of your lead sheet um it's a really good way for you to set up appointments for yourself even if it's something that's hyper casual you know uh, i had a script before where i would when i was a new chamber member i would call a business the the chamber directory provides you the name of the business the owner's name or the chamber member's name, who's typically the owner, right. their uh, phone number. Oftentimes it'll have multiple phone numbers, like a cell phone, hmm. email address, their web address. And it would give you multiple data points to actually reach out to that person. And so I had a script where I would call and say, you know, hey, Joe, my name is Jerron Rice. I own Magathy Payments. I'm, I'm a new chamber member. And I wanted to really take advantage of my membership and meet other local business owners and see how we might be able to help each other. Right. Yeah. And I see you're right down the road on mountain road. You're like a mile from me. Are you available tomorrow for me to just stop in and say hello? Right. Something super casual. Right. Um, and I would and imagine I the would conversion say, on that call was like really high. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you get there, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it doesn't have to be a hard set. It's literally two business owners having a conversation. Right. And once you've developed that level of trust and rapport through just the, the commonality of, of being, you know, in close proximity and being in the right. chamber together, it makes the sale that much easier. Yep. Because if you pick up the phone and you're like, hey, this is joe with abc merchant services company if they let you speak another sentence like it, you're, you're already in an uphill battle oftentimes <laughs> when they hear merchant services they hang Click. the phone up immediately yep sure sure i love it okay so you have the the directory um what else are there other ways that you have benefited from the chamber membership um so hang on, I'm, I'm going over my, my notes here. Um, but so with using, with actually using the directory, yeah, it, it creates multiple touch points, right? Okay. Because we talked about just the, the phone script, but I've sent mailers to oh, sure. the, the people with the info, you know, with the information yep. that's provided in here. Okay. And with our chambers, they have a couple of distribution points, a couple of local supermarkets where they'll, they'll have stacks of these. Right. But if you're a business owner, they will give you as many as you ask for. And so mm. a couple of years ago, I got like three or four boxes of them with, you know, 20 directories per box and just asked them like, hey, I'm a new chamber member. Did you get a new copy of the directory? No. OK, great. I'll swing by and drop one off. Wow. And it was literally, this was the, the tool that got me in the door. And it's like, oh, by the way, here's your full page. Ad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sure. it, it's, it really helps differentiate you yeah. in an industry where business owners tend to be leery at first because right. it's the, there's so much market saturation. Yep. Yep. Sure. Wow. I love it. So talk about the, I'm interested about this mailer. So when you would send this mailer out, what was the what was the pitch on the mailer? Did you mention the Chamber of Commerce as part of that, or what was the marketing strategy there? Yeah, so it really depends on how much time you have to invest. Okay, right? and and so because in the early days, I used to handwrite postcards. Sure, and or like just a little you know bifold type of thing. Yeah, and handwrite it out. 
hey, I'm new to the chamber. Sure. You know, similar brief version of the script with a, a business card uh, and something like that. And then would mail that. Right. And then would usually follow it up with a phone, phone call, call. Like, hey, did you get the note I sent you? Or postcard I sent, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, as we got into more and more, then it started to be, you know, we would have a specific generic postcard design right. that we would then blast out sure. two or three times a year. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting you bring up the the handwritten thing initially because, you know, one of my big beliefs about marketing, and I posted on LinkedIn uh, yesterday, um, you know, a really interesting post about a very successful business uh, woman that would, that had done a, a long form letter to a potential partner to, to get the deal after they said no. You know, I'm amazed, like right now, it seems like, I don't know your opinion, but everybody I talk to is looking for how to make marketing less effort. Um, they want it to be automated. They want it to be easy. They want it to be magical. And, you know, the problem is if you're building a local merchant services company, your audience just isn't big enough for that kind of stuff to really have the same impact. Whereas to your point, if you, you know, if you literally sit there and, and, you know, you take two days and you hand write, you know, 400 notes, yeah, you're, you're going to get a better response. And I think there's a lot of agents that I'll talk to and I'll say, they'll say, you know, James, what's the best way to prospect? And I'll say, well, you know, dollars for time. I mean, go face-to-face prospecting. Sure. And they're like, well, I don't really want to do that. It's like, that's fine. There are plenty of other things you can do, but there none of them are easy. None of them are magical. None of them are free, you know, yeah. right? Like you have to actually do something that's going to be different than your competition. So I love, I think yeah. some of these ideas are, are really cool. So, you know, uh, and, that's a, and again, we, we, we're in such a divine age of technological enlightenment, right? That something as simple as a handwritten yeah. note, right? really is is far more impactful because that person even if you're writing the same thing over and over again right that person that gets that handwritten note knows this person took the time to yep. write this yep and it's like you know in the in the early 90s or mid 90s when i was in you know getting going to high school it was like you know you were all excited when you got email Right, exactly. Right? And it's like nobody yes. cared about snail mail. Now it's like if you get a handwritten something in the actual mail, like right. Right. that's so much better that I get 100 emails a day. I'm like, eh, whatever. Right. You know, you, you write me something and it's yeah. like all of a sudden you've got my attention. You know, it's funny. A good example of that. Um, just yesterday I was um, – one of my uh, employees was talking to me about a new marketing effort that we're doing for our new statement analysis tool. And uh-huh. I said, you know, one of the things I'm going to be doing is um, I have all of these connections and I said, I'm going to be sending them a LinkedIn message, but the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to send them a voice message on LinkedIn. And I showed him and he never even noticed it before, but on LinkedIn, just a few months ago, they added this thing where you, you hold down this little microphone uh, yeah. thing and, you know, record a voice message and it sends a voice message. And, He's like, well, why are you doing that? Wouldn't it be easier to just copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, you know? Yeah, but, you know, I always want to do, I always want to do the thing that's different, right? I want to do the thing that they're not getting. Right now, I've yeah. literally, I have never received a LinkedIn voice message from anyone ever, okay? Yeah. And I get, like, a lot of LinkedIn messages. I've never received one, right? So when I'm, yeah, and the, the thing I love about it is it doesn't say anything. It doesn't say what the voice message is. It gives you no preview or anything. It's it just this, says voice clip. <laughs> and it's this mysterious James Shepard just like, sent you a this? voice file. You're like, what in the world? I have to click on it. And so it's like, you know, to your point, I think, 
you know, whether it's high tech, low tech, doesn't matter. It's what is different? What's going to stand out? What are your competitors not doing? I mean, like I would be using that if I was, you know, like if I was doing what you're describing, I would be getting that directory. I'd be going on LinkedIn, finding every one of the people in the directory and sending them a voice note, you know, like a voice yeah. message, so, you know, and then you send them the mailer and then, you know, all the different things like that. So I love it. I love it. So what else you got? I, think, I mean, and that's, that's, you know, it's such a fantastic point because again, you know, as a business owner on LinkedIn, I, I don't, I'm not on LinkedIn probably as much as I should be. But every time I, I log in, probably once a week or so, there's another 15 messages, Spam messages of like, hey, did you get my last message? Hey, did you get my last? And it's like, I I don't even know who you are. Right. And I look back and you're like eight paragraphs into right. a sales pitch in my inbox. Like, right. is that working for you? Because right. to me, that's very off-putting. Yep. And, you know, I'll tell you another one I used to do. I, it's funny now I'm having all these, I'm remembering all these different things. Um, you know, when I was in it, Twitter was really a big deal, which it still is, but it was like yeah. really a big deal. You know, it was yeah. just, just growing. And I had a really big Twitter account. And one of the things I would do is I would at mention, so I'd find a local business. I would record on my phone a 30 second video, you know, uh-huh. uh, just with my phone, you know, just uh, hey, this this video goes out to XYZ Pizza Shop. I think you guys are amazing. I love your pizza. I was there the other night. Just wanted to, to say, you know, congrats on your success. And I'd love to swing by sometime and talk to you, you know, about our business. Message me back if you'd like to connect or something like that. And so I would actually like at mention that to them or message them if I was connected with them. And my response rate was probably 20%, 30% on those. Um, yeah. Because nobody does that, you know, so, Absolutely. you know, I think anything you can do where it's like you're taking that extra time, I think any time with marketing where you're trying to, if you're trying to sell to an audience of 50,000 or more people, it's really a good idea to, you know, automate and produce, right? <laughs> yeah. But when you're selling to an audience of there's like literally a thousand businesses that meet your potential target audience in your area. I mean, come on, you know, just spend more time on it and set yourself apart. You know, yeah, and, and that's it's funny because um, one of our our best social media platforms is for generating new business yeah. is Instagram. And sure. I talked with a marketing consultant years and years ago, and I was like, I'm not on Instagram. I'm thinking about doing it. And and the response that I got was, Well, your financial services, you don't need to be on Instagram. And I was <laughs> like, oh, Okay, right. And then against her wishes, I ended up going get starting an Instagram account. And then I realized while people aren't on Instagram looking for me, all of my ideal clients, the home improvement companies, you know, the exterior modelers, the people that are taking pictures of their before and afters and all, all of those people that I want are on Instagram. Right. And that was an easy way to engage with them. Like they would post a picture and I'm like, Oh man, that's fantastic. Right. You know, just something like that. People love opening their phones and seeing someone's got comments. Right. And then that led to conversations and well, tell me it is what you do. And then it it turned into business simply because who else in merchant services is on Instagram marketing directly at that specific business. Yeah. I love it. You know, I think, I think, you know, several big takeaways that I got from this, I think are so interesting and so valuable for our audience. You know, one is definitely the value of the chamber. Um, you know, there's no doubt. Um, and I think number two is this big takeaway of marketing, right? It's like, how are you marketing right now in your local you know, area? Are you leveraging platforms? Again, whether it's high tech or low tech, are you standing out or are you just doing the same thing everybody else is doing? Are you investing that time, uh, you know, to, to make an impact? So 
I yeah, love it, man. Absolutely. Great stuff. Great stuff as always. Now I know you have some notes there, so I don't want to cut you off with any remaining value that you might have to share. Is there anything we missed? Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, but like I said, it, it, at the end point, once you get to the point where the, the chamber trusts you to do yes. their processing, right. Then that, that in and of itself is, is like, a huge way, you know, the, this, the key to the city, so to speak with that particular, um, chamber, because again, if they trust the chamber, if they're paying their, I always use it, joke, say jokingly, like, Oh, you, you paid your membership dues online. Right. I'm like, yeah. Okay, great. Thanks. I made a portion of that. Oh, <laughs> nice. Know? I so love it's, it. It's, yeah, sure. It's one of those things that it's like, okay, well they trust you. You must be legit. You must be different than the right. last company that ripped me off. Yep. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So uh, as always, I'm sure our listeners, and by the way, I should mention, you, you mentioned the Facebook group earlier, just in case anybody doesn't know what that is, that we have a Facebook group, CC Sales Pro does. It's CC Sales Pro Community, um, and it's for individual sales reps in the merchant services industry. So uh, definitely check that out on Facebook. It's a free group, but it is private. Um, and uh, where are people going to learn more about you and Magathy Payments? Yeah, um, you can check out our website, magothy.biz, M-A-G-O-T-H-Y dot B-I-Z. Uh, or you can follow us on Instagram at Magothy Payments. Awesome. Jaron, it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. Hey everybody, in today's questions from the field, I wanna answer a question that is on everybody's mind that's in the industry, and that is, what sets the top merchant sales professionals apart from those who are average or below average? What sets the top executives in our industry apart from those who are average or below average? What is it that it, what does it really take to kind of get to that next level? And so in our industry, it's very unique because there are certain jobs and even certain sales jobs where those who are the best are maybe 30, 40% better than average, right? So you may have a job where you say, well, I'm a, I'm a taxi driver. And if I'm an average taxi driver, maybe it takes me two hours to get across uh, New York City. Uh, and if I'm the best taxi driver in New York City, I can maybe do it in an hour and a half. You know, it's a little bit better. But when we're talking about merchant sales, you'll find that the average salesperson probably sells about four or five merchant accounts a month. Now, that includes all the people that are kind of part-timers or things like that. But, you know, you have this four or five, maybe a full-time average would be closer to eight to ten per month for, like, full-time reps. But when you look at that average of, let's say, eight, then you see people who are the best, and they're able to sell consistently 25 or 30 accounts a month. And you go, wait a minute, how is that possible? Now, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. I want to talk to you about energy, and I want to talk to you about time. Let's talk about time first, because that's the, the easy one to understand. So... There definitely is a correlation where those who make the most money in this industry, at least while they're building their portfolios, they do work harder and they work more consistently. So they're definitely working a good number of hours, but 
I will tell you from my experience, the number of hours they're working are definitely not extreme. Um, at least in my experience, this is not a business where the top earners are working 70, 80 hours a week um, selling. They're just not. The top earners are, are generally, you know, if you look at just raw prospecting time, the top earners in this business are probably working an average of six hours a day in terms of prospecting. Now, of course, there's other things, administrative, drive time, you know, follow-ups and things like that. But as far as just actually how much time a day are they spending selling, it's like six hours. I know many that it's like three hours or four hours, and yet they're still at the very top of their game, outselling almost everybody else in the industry. So it can't just be time, right? It can't just be, you need to get out there and work harder. Now, if you're not going to work hard, nothing I'm going to tell you is going to help you because you have to have hard work in there in order to be able to multiply your effectiveness. But assuming that you're working a reasonable number of hours and you're treating this like a job and you're working consistently, then what is the difference? How are they able to do so much more? And the, the difference is their energy level. They are managing their energy, not just their time. You need to make sure that you're in the right mental state before you go out prospecting, before you walk into that sales meeting as a sales manager, before you have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with the salesperson that you're trying to coach or trying to mentor. You've got to get yourself into the right mental state. And I've been thinking a lot more about this lately because with my personal schedule now, um, I run into this problem a lot. I'll look at my schedule and I have, you know, four or five hours of back-to-back -back phone calls and Zoom sessions for consulting client after consulting client after consulting client. And then I've got a, a six-week jumpstart person I'm coaching and then another one after that and another one after that and another one after that. And it's very easy even for me to kind of go, you know, wow, I just did like two hours of calls. My Mentally, it's like, wow, I'm done, you know? And yet, here's another call coming up. And so for many of you, you experience the same thing. You're out in the field, you're prospecting, or you're on the phone, and you make those first few calls. And so you know, then it's like, wow, I don't know if I can make another call. I don't know if I can walk into another business. And so those who are very successful in this business, they're not just going through the motions. They're out there doing the prospecting, doing the hard work, and they're doing it in the right mental state with the right level of energy. And that is not an accident. That is not going to happen accidentally. I know people who are super positive and excited. And it's like every time I talk to them, no matter what the circumstance, they're pumped up and ready to go. And you might say, well, they're just a really positive person. I'm just not that positive. Well, yeah, that's true, but I don't like the insinuation that their positivity is like their DNA is just, they're just a positive person and you're not. That is absolutely false. Okay. What it, what it means is you have to get yourself in the right mental state. Okay. How do we do this? Well, a couple of little tips I want to give you real quickly. Okay. First of all, Look at your day and start to figure out how to manage your energy better to do the things that are going to sap your energy at the right time of day. Okay, so for instance, for me, I can get some really, really good work done in the afternoons. Um, I'm not as much of the morning person. So I generally don't put really important things in my schedule before 10 a.m. in the morning because before 10 a.m. for me is not a high energy time. Um, a lot of times I like to go to the gym in the morning because I feel like I get there. I start to do some physical exercise. I start to get moving. It starts to, okay, I'm on the treadmill. Here we go. I'm doing some weights. And it's like, okay, I'm starting to get uh, awake. I'm starting to get some energy. You know, here we go. I'm ready for my 
my day. And so you have to manage your energy. Some of you are just, you're morning people. Great. Then schedule some difficult mental tasks that are important in the morning. Some of you are like me. You're better more in the afternoon. That's fine. Start to track that. And so don't just track your time and say, what am I doing with my time? Instead, throughout the day, make a mental note, put a little, you know, thing in there, maybe every hour for a few days, just put down, you know, one to five, you know, one being I'm about to fall asleep, five being I'm ready to tear a hole through a wall. You know, what's my energy level right now? How positive am I feeling? Start to track that because a lot of us, you know, we have that ebb and flow to our day. So get to know your personal flow of energy and positivity and kind of the natural flow and start to work your schedule around that. If you realize that one, if you're a sales manager or, or recruiter or coach and you realize that, you know, you really struggle with these individual sales meetings, they're very challenging for you mentally and you realize that your energy level is really low about three o'clock in the afternoon, well then scheduling back-to-back sales meetings from three to five is a bad idea. You know, do them from nine to 11, right? So start to manage your personal flow. Then number two, start to increase your energy level by doing all the things that you already know how to do, right? I think all of us understand that diet, exercise, play a huge role in our energy level. So I'm not gonna dwell on that, but if you're not taking advantage of these obvious things that are going to give you more energy, you're missing out on your life. I mean, you're literally giving up your life. And so how much of your life are you willing to give up in terms of your energy level, in terms of your excitement and your passion and what you're able to do in exchange for not, you know, doing the exercising, not worrying about your diet. So those things matter. But I think also another thing that gets overlooked a lot is are you taking those little moments throughout the day to reset yourself mentally and to think about and get a different perspective? Um, In the Facebook group, I talked about a little exercise that I've done for years that really helps me where if I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling a little bit down about my day, a little depressed, uh, lately we have uh, my son Lincoln just turned nine months old and he's teething, so he's not sleeping very well through the night. And we have another, I have a, a, a almost two-year-old uh, daughter and so she sometimes doesn't sleep good. And so we'll have nights sometimes where we just don't sleep good and I'll wake up feeling tired, feeling low energy and oh, I just don't know if I want to do this today. And you know what I'll do is I like to imagine myself and my family living in a mud hut in some remote village somewhere where we don't have good running water. We don't have, um, you know, uh, any room. We're sleeping on a dirt floor. And, you know, I start to think about what my life would be like. And I close my eyes and like imagine that situation and how stressed I would be and how frustrated I would be and how difficult it would be, how much work I'd have to do to just find running water and food for my family and clothes to wear and all of that. And then I just open my eyes and I look around at my house and my nice clothes and my nice car and my amazing family that loves me. And all of a sudden that different perspective, I start to feel that gratitude that fills me up with energy that says, wow, actually I get to do great work that I love. I get to have a family that I love. I get to have uh, food to eat and a house to live in and running water. And I start to become more grateful. And that's the kind of thing that for me gets me excited. You know, many of you might look up, uh, Tony Robbins has some great, uh, he calls it priming. He has some great priming videos I'll do sometimes in the morning to kind of get yourself in the right mental place. But you really need to think through managing your energy, not just your time. Some of you, you've got it down pat with managing your time. If you don't, to forget everything I said, because it's not going to help you right at this moment, you got to get your time down. You got to manage your time and make sure you're working hard. But that's not enough. To be successful in this business, truly successful, you can't just manage your time. You also have to manage your energy, manage your mental state, and make sure that you're always at your best so that you can achieve your potential. My name is James Shepard. Thanks for listening and watching this episode. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. 
The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.